we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. And I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And today we're continuing our series on John Murray Spear. Yes. Yep. And his clockwork machine goddess. Yes. His mechanical messiah. The mechanical messiah. That's the term. Yeah. Clockwork yeah. machine goddess. I don't know. I've got, that's like what I've got to save the, the project mm-hmm. saved as mm-hmm. on my computer. <laughs> yeah. So how are we doing, Sequoia? Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine, too. Excellent. I'm hungover, but that's all right. <laughs> on a Thursday. My sister's been in town. Yeah. I never how it drink is. on the weekday anymore. Hey. Yeah. Drink any day you want. No, no, no. That's a recipe for destruction. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday's the new Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Every day yeah. is Saturday. Every day is Saturday. Man. It's not. No, I'm oh. doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to um talk about this. Me too. Now we're finally we're finally getting to talk about like the machine. Although, like, really that's not what most of this episode is going to be about. This is another one of those bait and switches, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's what, you know, I kind of think that's what sets us apart from maybe other podcasts that have covered this story. We fucking con our audiences? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you came for the machine, but we're going to give you loads and loads and loads of context. <laughs> So many loads. I can't even take. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. We pull tarot cards. We do do that. Suppose I should do that, huh? All right. So <laughs> <laughs> what happens when I don't write an intro. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we have the three of cups. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's like three ladies, they're dancing around. Having a party. Yeah, they're lifting their cups in the air, very celebratory. Yeah. Very... Okay. believe that is um, named Abundance in the Thoth deck. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a happy card. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's complete. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we left off in 1852, and John Spear's involvement in the spiritualist movement began to shift away from all of these healings that he was doing. Yeah, yeah. He had already produced two works relating to the spirit world and done multiple of his healings of which he, so was, he was successful at. He was he was in it. He was in it for about yeah. a year at this point. Okay. But his spirit guides had greater things in mind. Like, oh, I don't know, um changing the future of the human race itself. Yes. Spear becoming an earthly agent of the spiritual forces who wish to regenerate human society. Yes. Yeah. And he's going full megalom- like megalomaniac. Right. Maybe not megalomaniac. He's, going, he's getting a little crazy. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- oh, surely. Yeah. <laughs> he came to believe that the spirits were working through him to institute the plans that would culminate in the perfection of the human race. Remember the perfectionists? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How can you I know, forget? Perfection on earth. We're going to bring heaven on yeah. earth. Like very, very aligned with, with that. I mean, this is a this is a tale as old as time. Yeah. Bunch of spirits start talking to a man, tell him he's going to... Make the world great. Make the world perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So the impetus for switching his focus from, you know, all of these individual healings to healing the world was brought on by a random trance that he entered on September 11th. Never forget. Never forget. He never forgot. (laughs) He got a bunch of messages about how the day where we can all spread joy and happiness and love each other is coming soon and slavery will be over and the world will be better. And at first he thought he was going crazy, like... And he was. Yeah. A better world. Oh, it's unbelievable. (laughs) That's the crazy part. It is, though. Like, (laughs) the idea that the world could be solved within one man's lifetime and that, like... Oh, no, that is crazy. That's absurd. That's never going to happen. We were made to suffer. (laughs) Were we? Yeah, kind of. Because if we didn't... If there was no contrast, then we wouldn't get to experience anything and we'd just be one and there'd be nothing, so... I don't know. I could just, like, fucking rock out all the time. Yeah. That'd be fun. Great. I don't mind a little suffering. Some people do it on purpose. It's true. For fun. It's true. So, yeah, he thinks he's going crazy because, you know, like we're going to fucking we're going to heal the world. What? He's going to be a direct agent of the spirits. They're going to act through him. That's weird. That can't be. But then it's the next year. Hold up. Let me stop. How much of this do you think is just brought on by him? Working tirelessly to do good and then just seeing more and more people get thrown in fucking prison. Yeah. Slavery it's, still being a thing. This is his um, guard against the futility of. Yeah. Universe. Yeah. That's a that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. This is what keeps him from like going a different type of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like this is what's keeping him sane, actually. So, yeah, it's April. It's April Fool's Day, actually. OK. And uh, John Spear enters a trance and he receives an announcement from a philanthropic organization in the spirit world calling itself the Association of Beneficence. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Basically, they tell John, all right, buddy boy, we want you to be our representative agent and communicator on Earth. And it's signed by 12 individuals, among them Thomas Jefferson, John Hancock, Benjamin Rush, John Adams, Seneca, (laughs) Emanuel Swedenborg, Socrates... And Ben Franklin, who signed his name last because he doesn't he doesn't want to seem too important, even though he's the head of the association. I love that. I love that it's got this association that has one, two, five of the founding fathers and then just like some other dudes from varying periods of history. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All the associations are like that. Yeah, that's fun. Benjamin Rush, you don't see you don't you don't see Benny Rush get dropped often. You really don't. Yeah. Barely even know who he is. I certainly. But <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a, he was a cha- he was anti slavery. Uh, he was anti death penalty. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep, why yep, he yep. Would show up to, to our boy John. He was a surgeon general of the Continental Army. He was like a, he was he was a do gooder. Mm-hmm. You know, he studied mental disorders. He was one of the founders of American psychiatry. Okay. Well. All right. Clearly, okay. he deserves a spot in the Association of Beneficence. I mean, if he's there, I kind of believe in it. Yeah. He sounds like the type of guy who would start it. It's true. Association of Beneficence. So if John Spear was questioning his sanity before, he definitely was now. Like, what? Uh, like this association of spirits? Yeah, a spirit charity? Yeah, they, they want me to act as their earthly representative. So he contacts a friend to tell the friend about this. It's like an NCO, a non-corporeal organization. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So when he tells his friend about all of this and he's like, buddy, I'm worried about my sanity, but here's here's everything that happened. The friend is like, oh, God, this was my worst fear. 
I've, I've been worrying about you for a while, actually. Oh, no. So John then contacts a physician who lets John know that in his professional medical opinion, you've lost your damn mind. Fuck. Well. And yet John feels sane. Yeah, they always do. Yeah. Like he feels like he's holding it together well. Yeah. Of course, you know, his intentions are pure. Yeah. His mental faculties are intact. He's getting his work done. He's getting his work done. He's feeding his family. You know, his normal way of functioning was not impacted. Yeah. And his resolve to fix humanity was also outweighing his concern of seeming crazy. Yeah. And of course, I think you have to seem a little bit crazy if you're going to go against the tide like this. Yeah. I mean, how many people did he tell about Ben Franklin? I mean, he was writing books about (laughs) Also, like, this is normal at the time. That's true. Yes. Spiritualists are, like, writing channeled works for different people all the time, saying that they're this person, that they're that person. Like, this is just normal for the time period. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. Like, I I feel like we've, before people had, like, mass media of any kind, Mm -hmm. I think fictions, fictional characters didn't live in their heads the same way that they do like now or even yeah. in 1853. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Meh. It's, a, it's just an interesting thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Benjamin Rush is like, hey, John, can we go to Cleveland? <laughs> Benjamin Rush. Ghostly Benjamin Rush wants you, to take, wants you to take him to Cleveland. What do you do? Yeah. So Ben Rush tells John Spear, let's go to Ohio. Let's go to, to go to Cleveland. You're going to... There's... Some really important information there that you're going to get. All right. So he goes to Cleveland and there John Spear meets a bunch of people in the Ohio spiritualist scene, including Dr. Abel Underhill, Horace Fenton and Caroline Lewis, who later will all help Spear purchase land. Okay. It's important. All right. He uh, gives a couple of lectures in Cleveland. Wait, no. No. The Association of Beneficence uh-huh. are giving lectures through John's body elaborating on their plans to right humanity's wrongs. Because again, like, John is just a vessel. They always are. Yeah. See, going to, going to Ohio is always a mistake. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to have a Cleveland steamer later. How awful of a place do you have to be when they name the act of pooping on someone's chest after you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking bad place. I've been there. Like, yeah. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, (laughs) the Association of Beneficence, they're giving their plans, right? Went to a restaurant called Whitey's Booze and Burgers in Ohio. Oh, God, how was it? (laughs) Fucking god-awful. I bet. Weakest Mai Tais in the land, and I think the meat was too old to eat. Was it white? It's the whitest place I've ever been in my fucking life. There was like a hundred hundred white people playing volleyball outside. Oh, that's terrifying. Multiple volleyball I'd be scared to even enter uh, anywhere near where that's happening. Richfield, Ohio. Yeah. No house is in sight, but yet the sides of the road, the grass is mowed perfect length. Mm-hmm. Like, Whitey's Booze and Birds has this giant fucking white dude in a 10-gallon hat waving it around on the mm-hmm. sign out there. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> real, real weird. And you don't want to walk through anyone's volleyball games because, like, they're in it, you know? No. They're dude. ready to dive. They're ready to do what you, you're going to get knocked over. Middle Americans fucking love volleyball. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway, that's the Ohio bit. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to... Sorry to anyone from Ohio. I just... Re- I've, I've had bad experiences There's there. beautiful parts of Ohio, too. I'm never going back. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm serious. I really don't like that state. I got fried okra at a gas station in Ohio once. It's pretty good. 
fried okra in Ohio? Yeah, doesn't seem right. No. (laughs) It's not right. It's not right. A new church and new system of education are going to be developed. Okay. It's going to help usher in a new era or a new dispensation. Okay. You know, there had already been the the Jewish era and the Christian era. Now there's going to be an era of wisdom, but not the wisdom of books, the wisdom of nature. Because once we know all about nature, these laws of nature can never become outdated. They are the blueprints for everything. Such a fucking crazy dude thought. Yeah. The new era would also see an end to the dominance of the male sex. Because... According to the association, one sex has monopolized power long enough. Says a group of fucking nine ghosts of dudes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck out of here. This is why, like, do you think John would have had more success with all of his workings and his messages had he just let it come from himself and led? Yes. Yeah. Abs 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the association, they also said... That all established forms of ceremonies and religious observances would be made non-existent so that every individual could choose ceremonies and observances found to be individually agreeable. Basically, everybody choose your own religion. Yeah, yeah. Which, okay, this is like very progressive. Yeah. This is very different. Yeah, yeah. More information about the association was uncovered when John made a trip to see Charles Hammond, a universalist minister who was the first trance writing medium. Both of them got into trance and got a ton more information. For example, the Association of Beneficence was only one of seven organizations. Mm. It's always seven. Always seven. Always seven. And these seven organizations operated under general control of a spiritual agency known as the General Assembly. Just civics. This is just... (laughs) It's just This is the same bit we've done. Yeah, yeah, it's... I was hoping it was going to be Great White Brotherhood. Oh, just just you wait. Oh, I mean, no. they're not coming, but something's coming. Then. Okay. Yeah. This is just the Parks and Rec version of the Great White Brotherhood, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well in trance with uh, Charles Hammond, they uncover there's also an association of electrizers. Okay. Who are, their job is to teach electric, magnetic, and ethereal laws and of unknown mechanical forces. There is also the association of elementizers who dealt with the laws of nature and then there's associations for health agriculturizers educationizers governmentizers it's all just the government yeah and of course all of these associations have one agent or supervisor in the spirit world for example like ben franklin is at the top of the beneficence Yeah, yeah and they also each of the seven has a representative on earth okay so John Spear is the representative for the Association of Beneficence. Right. But he's got to find the six others now, right? Mm, yeah. So <laughs> he travels all around the country. Yeah, yeah, Finding yeah. like, and he's just guided by his intuition and these trance writings and the spirits and whatever. Just, you know, got to collect them all. I mean, he was just a little too early for Tesla, for the representative of the Electrizers. Yeah. God, that would have been... That's who it would be. If John Spear and Tesla knew each other. Hide your fucking pigeons, dude. Like <laughs> the world would have exploded. So, or or nothing would have happened. Or, yeah. <laughs> no, but they, they would have had an interesting friendship. That's for sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Or I don't know. Spear might have, might be an Edison fanboy. 
Oh as God! Which way he would? Oh go. no, 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 no. Yeah, probably not. No, because Edison would like hurt animals and stuff. And he's a, super. Yeah, Edison was a son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So he's traveling around the country. He's got to find the other representatives. And meanwhile, the associations are also giving Spear a ton of wisdom and knowledge, some of which I'd, I want to go over because okay. they're interesting. Yeah. Ben Franklin let him know that the first cause of all causes, I think meaning what created the universe. Yeah, the first cause. Yeah. yeah um, was inherency. And how inherency came into existence is a mystery never to be comprehended. The doubt that can, can be named. Yeah. Eternal doubt. Right. Yeah. Uh, inherency does not negate God, but rather confirms his existence because inherency was considered to be a manifestation of God in the universe. So this idea that like the thing that created us was just like just because we are. Ben Franklin's ghost just high as hell. Right. He's meeting all <laughs> sorts of cool people over there on the other side that are imparting him with <laughs> this wisdom. Yeah. So the laws of inherency were... Very important to Spears' spiritual philosophy. Okay. This idea that uh, the heavenly bodies and their orbits, they're, they're all held up by the inherent properties of motion and attraction and a union of these two things. They are just held in place by their attraction to each other. And from a point in time, this is quoting... Spears' philosophy. From a point in time when they originated as minuscule particles of matter, the celestial bodies had grown in accordance with the inherent law of expansion to their present size. So basically everything started as nothing. Okay. And then inherent expansion implied endless progress. So that it followed logically that what mortals defined as death is in reality part of the process of expansion or progress into a higher state of existence. All matter might be changed, but never destroyed, because all things are immortal and cannot die. I got some bad fucking news for you, bud. Death is an illusion. We just become part of the planet and the planet grows and grows. I got some bad news for you, bud. nothing. And we start over again. Heat death of the universe. Yeah. That's, that's it. The, that's yeah. the point of endless expansion. Yeah. It's going to keep expanding it, and expanding. It's, it's true. Sun's going to eat us, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to build a rocket. Man, imagine if this dude knew about space travel. Right. I mean, I, I like, get it. I'd like, I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of him, but I, I like, I get it. You know? I, I think that these ideas are like pretty they they seem kind of far out for you know what's yeah. going on around him in terms of like what most the mainstream religion is yeah he's over here like death is an illusion where <laughs> we cannot die yeah but like i feel a lot of the stuff i could see him just thinking of yeah you know what i mean yeah like this is just some shit that people think when they get high or crazy one of the two right uh he also had this idea that every particle of matter everything like what yeah. makes up the universe is opposing forces masculine feminine positive negative yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. receptive like, i mean that's that's true yeah yeah to a point right yeah also he thought that the human mind was the superior form of matter compared to the physical body and our minds actually don't depend on our bodies for their existence and we can use our minds to stretch into the celestial magnets of the universe and enter higher worlds mm. yeah mm. also a lot of the information that the spirit sources revealed had to do with 
a variety of new sciences at the time, like homeopathy, hydropathy, phrenology, mesmerism. Yeah, yeah. But especially, he was really interested in the medicinal properties of certain types of water. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Spears started to pay attention to something happening in Western New York. Type of a miracle water. Reverend Peter Popoff wants you to know that God can reverse every negative verdict in your life. You don't have to live a life sentence of lack and defeat. You can be free to enjoy all of God's richest blessings. That's why he wants to send you your free packet of Miracle Spring Water, your point of contact for the miracle you need, now in a larger size. I had been in two car accidents, and the doctors kept saying, well, here, you got to take painkillers. I used your Miracle Spring Water, and it's gone. The banks had told me that I could not get another home. I prayed, I believed, I followed every instruction, and on May 26th, we closed on our dream home. Stop settling on less and reach for God's best. God is a God of more, and now there's more Miracle Spring Water in a new, larger packet. Another check for $4,700 for me to move to New York City. Glory to God, supernatural wealth transfer. I will send you the Miracle Spring Water. I'll send you the instructions. I'll tell you how to use it to see total victory in every area of your life. Act now. Call the number on your screen today and get your free packet of Miracle Spring Water. Okay, okay, okay. I can hear the dishonesty in his voice. I know, voice. dude, I know. He sounds He sounds so creepy. fucking sleazy. Yeah. Also, like, it's not free. You have to pay for shipping. I'm pretty sure that's the mm, is right. everybody wants their holy water, so they'll pay whatever one ninety five or whatever the low fee for shipping is. And then so they make a ton of money. And then what they do is every now and then they'll send out a check to someone who's bought the Miracle Spring Water, like seven thousand dollars or whatever to but not a lot of people, just right. enough to put them in the commercials and keep people on the line thinking that their miracle might come. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Fucking great grift. <laughs> yeah, it's just water. Beautiful. Oh, so, my God. We're going to talk about something called the Chase Brittingham Spring. Okay. Yeah. In uh, the early months of 1853, reports in the spiritualist presses started to crop up. News of a mineral spring in New York just beyond the border of Pennsylvania. The owner of the property was another man named John, but not the titular John. Right, right. John Chase. He had purchased land for his wagon building enterprise with the intent of using the small waterfall on the property to supply power for the operation. But the business failed. <laughs> and for years, John Chase tried unsuccessfully to sell the land. So what do you do when you can't sell your land? You go behind your wife's back and purchase 40 more acres of land in hopes that it makes your property more attractive to buyers. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what John Chase did. Okay. The very day that Chase snuck off to buy the land, keeping it a secret from his wife, the wife goes over to a neighboring town and visits a fortune teller for fun. And this oracle tells her, your husband... He is buying land at this moment. This land, it contains great treasure. You must never part with it. That's how the fortune teller talked? Yeah, she's like... Yeah. She's like Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> she's like a Blavatsky type. It is Blavatsky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, the wife thinks that this is ridiculous because they're broke. Like, what do you mean? He's buying land, like, with what money? Uh, they don't have the resources to buy more land. But lo and behold. Yeah. Blavatsky Oracle was right. Yeah, yeah. John Chase lets his wife in on what he done did. And they resume their effort to sell the land against the advice. Wow. She said, you must never part with it. Yeah. 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 She was right about, I mean, he was probably running his fucking mouth all over town. Yeah. But. So now's the point in the story where a local magnetizer or hypnotist (laughs) by the name of William Brittingham shows up to the Chases and tells them that a clairvoyant had told him of their farm. Jesus Christ. Contained great treasure and a valuable salt spring and that they must not sell it. Well, at first, the Chases aren't buying this William guy's story until William Brittingham brings over some other mediums who confirm his findings. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like, they were just, people were just doing shit based off, based off psychics and uh, yeah. spiritual media. Okay. So John Chase gives in. Let's old Brittingham conduct a search. And of course, uh, you know, the salt spring that was mentioned, fucking whatever. Let's find this treasure, though. Yeah, yeah. Well... Chase is unable to pay for drilling and excavation because he just spent every last cent on the 40 acres. Right. So he allows Brittingham to organize the work in exchange for a share of whatever profit resulted from it. You don't say. Yep. (laughs) Well, they never found any treasure, but they did manage to open a spring that flowed at a rate of 750 gallons per hour. Damn. Damn. They found that by mixing flour with the water, the alkaline properties of it acted as a leavening agent and could make the bread rise. Okay. After striking gold or water, which was gold-like in this case, Brittingham was apparently told by the spirits to conduct a series of tests regarding the water as a cure for diseases. Have you ever seen the movie A Cure for Wellness? No, no. That's a fucking weird movie. It has very low ratings, but it is like atmospheric trippy weirdness about like it, it has water cures huh interesting. yeah it's about like the special water so apparently this water in this spring that they yeah. opened up probably just had were they just digging holes i mean or there's they, a lot of springs around yeah yeah well apparently it, it worked the water was helping to cure the townsfolk of fevers, dyspepsia, rheumatism, burns, throat inflammation, etc. It could be added Damn. to baths or it could be taken internally. It was miracle water. Fucking A. Not everyone was so impressed by the water, though. I didn't try any. Yeah. The neighboring Jamestown Journal did their own investigation of the water and concluded it was nothing special. And if it was, then it would be performing miracles on 100% of the people who came into contact with it. Well, that's not necessarily true. No. (laughs) But what the Jamestown Journal was more annoyed at than the claims about the miracle water. Yeah, Yeah. water's good for you. Yeah, okay, yeah. They brought up that William Brittingham claimed... That he received the information about, you know, the treasure, the spring, yeah. whatever. And he told the chases that another clairvoyant told him. But yeah. this is a change in the story. Now he's saying that a tribe of Celtic Indians had come to him and revealed the information because they lived on the land and their tribe had been destroyed and they wanted someone to know about the treasure. Yeah. Well, there is a fucking that is a legend. Yeah. Yeah, that that is a thing. I forget the name of the tribe that it was like that they thought may have been descended. I imagine the Jamestown Journal is like a secular press, so of course 
they're going to be critical. Oh, no, no. It's ridiculous. I'm just saying like the idea of Celtic Indians isn't as ridiculous as it sounds on its face. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's not. um, I'm not sure it's true. Right. But it's definitely like a it's a story. It's a story. All right. So samples of the water get sent around to members of the spiritual press and to popular mediums and spiritualists. And sure, maybe the secular press isn't buying it. But this miracle water thing was Peter Popoving off. <laughs> I mean, does it ever matter what the secular journals say about it? Eh. No. Eh, it's always interesting to compare. Well, yeah, no, but like. Yeah. No, no grift. No takedown has ever mattered to a grift. Really. No. Yeah. No. So there was this one lady, Samantha Mettler. She was a medium from Hartford, Connecticut. She All received right. some water from the spring and she placed a little bit of it on her forehead. First, she like. She diluted it with a bunch of other water. Yeah. And then... Homeopathy. Yeah. (laughs) And then she put it on her forehead and immediately she was delivered into the state of trance, which uh, she said it aided in equalizing circulation. So she just fucking relaxed for a goddamn minute? Yeah. Yeah. Sick. She just needed the miracle water to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know. But of course, for every positive report, there were also skeptics and detractors. There was one doctor who claimed that... After experimenting with the water, he became sick for five months, had burning eyes, an itchy, scaly scalp, a bloody nose, and violent fever. Oh, my. Like, for five months, dude? Dude got a fucking parasite. That fucking yeah, water, man. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Yeah. So, after receiving a sample of the spring water from Thaddeus Sheldon, who's a spiritualist from New York, he'll factor in. He's a friend of John Spears. Yeah, yeah. Sir Thaddeus Sheldon. Uh, he also, I guess bringing up Dr. Greaves doesn't really matter. He's, yeah, it doesn't. He's the person that like wrote about all of this, but okay. I don't even need to yeah, mention yeah. that. Yeah. So Thaddeus Sheldon, he, he sends some of the water over to Spear. Yeah. Spear analyzes the water and he's like, well, I'll be damned. That's miracle water. This, yeah. This is a miracle water. You know why? Because placebos work too. All's true. And I wonder, they said alkaline properties, right? Mm-hmm. It cures th- sore throat, like throats, burns. And yeah, shit. like Alka-Seltzer. Baking soda. Yeah. Uh, you know, you make some baking soda with water, drink it, no more heartburn. Right. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, that's Can what that, be helpful. That's what that does. Alkaline water, like, that'll cure your heartburn. Yeah. 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 So Spear tries out some of the water. He's like, I'll be damned. I love it. By April 1853, Spear travels to Cleveland by order of the spirits, of course. Yes. And he organizes a party of Cleveland spiritualists to journey with him to Canton, New York, where the Chase Brittingham Springs are. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple months later, he and a number of benefactors, including Abel Underhill, Dr. Abel Underhill, he arranges for the Cleveland spiritualists to purchase this land, Canton Springs. Okay. So they get their own magic spring. Yeah. They just assume that it's magic because it's right next door. I guess so. Sure, why not? Yeah. What they wanted to do was buy the the real thing, but, you know. Don't want to sell it anymore, do you? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they get their own fucking springs. Canton Springs. Abel Underhill writes this letter later that year in an issue of the Spiritual Telegraph, talking about how awesome the, the water is at their spring and how it could even be used to replace drugs as a medical treatment. And after all, drugs had so many bad side effects and this water didn't. And yeah, sure, there's uh, lots of other water, lots of other <laughs> springs in the vicinity of Canton, but those waters don't compare with the water of Canton itself, which 
boasted all of the elements found in all the medicinal waters, the sulfur of sulfur springs, the soda of soda water, the magnesia of Epsom springs that contained iron and salt, all that good stuff just fucking packed with minerals. There's so much bullshit in our water. It's barely even water. Yeah. We'll send you a fucking rock. Right. Put it in some other water. Right. So this is all in his his letter in the spiritual... This, yeah, the, the spiritual, spiritual telegraph. Yeah. Right. So he's singing the praises of this water. And of course he writes, anyone who wants to come and stay here will have access to all the free water they want. After all, their goal in purchasing the land is to relieve humanity of suffering. Not not to profit. Yeah. It's free. It's fucking free. Come get our, it's our free water. Come get your free water. Should <laughs> have paid 20 bucks for parking. Yeah. <laughs> No, a lot more for your boat ride over, How, however long it takes to travel, your train ride, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Own when were the trains railway, made? Then you, uh, but they, had, they had trains, I think. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um, I That's actually, like, something I should know. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. So trains meant to, like, carry people didn't come around until the late 1800s. Okay. Oh, wow. Up until then, they, like there were steam locomotives, but it was just for like transporting goods. Oh, and stuff. right, right, right. Because I mean, that was one of the that was one of the like reasons um, or one of the huge advantages the North had over the South in the Civil War was having a railway network for goods. Mm-hmm. There's like by 1900, everywhere had fucking trains. But yeah. 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 So, no, people are not traveling by trains yet. Yeah, they're and still cars don't exist. But they certainly don't. <laughs> so I bet one of these spiritualists owned a boot company. Yeah, That's a lot of <laughs> a, a lot of uh people in Spears social circle like were owners of various companies and stuff. Like they were well connected. So it was just a tourist fucking grift. Something like that. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So um anyone who wants to come and stay here, have the water. Come, come right on ahead. Yeah. Except we haven't built any facilities yet. Ah. <laughs> There's nowhere for you to stay. But there is a nearby hotel, and we will provide accommodations and daily transportation to the site of the springs. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, after Underhill writes this letter, it sparks a response three weeks later from another spiritualist, a doctor who had visited the spring himself, H.F. Gardner. Gardner concluded that Underhill's letter was nothing more than a calculated deception. The true spiritual magnetic spring was on the Chase and Brittingham's property. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Not even like, it's fake, the water's not, it's like, no, the good water's over there. You see, the C&B springs offer two different types of water. (laughs) had positive water, which was hard, clear, and salty. Okay. And negative water, which was soft, dirty, and smelly. <laughs> and they both had different healing properties. I think it was that negative water that gave that other dude bloody shits for Yeah, he months. had some of the negative water. Oh my god. Yeah. So okay. so Gardner in, in his response letter is like, you know, the land that Spear purchased. Um that was on a, it contained a spring known to the locals as the Great Deer Lick. Okay. And supposedly it's a natural outlet of the two different types of waters, positive and negative, mm. combining them, which apparently makes them lose their healing power. Well, yeah. It's, yeah. 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 
Negative one plus positive one equals zero. Right. So that's math. Yeah. Yeah. And besides, also, Gardner argued, if benevolent spirits had led the Cleveland company to the great deer lick and that was such great water and it was just as good as Chase and Brittingham Spring, then why didn't the spirits just lead Chase and Brittingham to the Great Deer Lake first. Why they would have saved a lot of money if they hadn't done all that excavation and shit. Why, why didn't the spirits just tell Brittingham, hey, there's a great one like right over the right there. Like right there. Just go use that one. It's got shitty spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Gardner concluded that the Cleveland Company and Spear was after control of the Chase Brittingham Spring from the start. But because Chase was unwilling to sell his property they settled for the Great Deer Lick and built their myth around it. I mean, which is true. Yeah. So, well, Cantone Springs was initially to be used as a physical rehabilitation center for wayfaring spiritualists. Spear and his friend S.C. Hewitt, a lo- people love to abbreviate their first two they really uh, do. initials. Yeah. They start to become a bit grandiose in their plans. You see, Spear's friend Hewitt, he had spoken for a long time of a circular city. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Circle houses. This motherfucker used to be paying to get people out of goddamn prison. Abolishing, standing up and yelling about how wrong it. Yeah, he's just selling water in circle houses. He's not selling the water, though. He's not even selling the water. Yeah. <laughs> this poor fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, so right. they they want to make their springs... Into a divine home on earth, heaven on earth, mm. you know? Great. And uh, the spirit world backed this up. They, they let John Spear know, yep, that's the place. That's the site. That's that's where you got to do it because it's far away from major urban centers, which, you know, Spear thought that cities are the root of all problems. Uh, cities are bad and we have to go into nature. Yeah, nature's good. Nature good. Sure. I think this fucking association of beneficence... Our, our primary shareholders in one or two private prison contractors. Yeah. Jesus. Right. Like, it's, it's misguided because, man, if you want to make heaven a place on earth, then you have to go into the cities and, yeah. like, you know, deal with it at the heart of where you think the problem is. I mean... You can't <sighs> retreat into the woods and be like, we're going to solve the problem here. John like, Murray Spears' big mistake was when... In the last episode, and his buddy was like, hey, man, you can't do all this shit on your own. We need to start like a fund, an organization. Yeah. You know, have living, real, breathing human friends help you. Right. So we can like, like, you don't need to create a bunch of imaginary friends. Yeah. Yeah. Your pursuits. And it's weird that he ends up doing the same. He ends up doing the thing he didn't want to do, which was like start an organization, all this shit. Right. Except for nonsense reasons. Right. It's wild. I don't know. So, yeah. Or fuck. This place, he also called it Harmonia, is going to be where the new social order would emerge. Yeah, yeah. New social order. And um, yeah, beyond being isolated, it was also a good location because it's accessible from people from the East and the West. It's near Ohio and Pennsylvania and blah, 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 blah. And Spear didn't even, like, have to buy most of this land. His compatriots in Cleveland already did that. Yeah, yeah. Now he can just come along and continue what they started and, you know, it's time to usher in the new dispensation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is just one part of the fucking... Right. The new world they're building. Yeah. yeah. 
So let's talk more about Cantone Springs and Harmonia later. I want to talk a little bit more about the new motive power. God's new last best power. most perfect gift. Yes. God's last best most perfect gift? Yes. Holy shit. And so the conversation turned until the sun went down. And many fantasies were learned. Yeah, we're going to talk about the new mode of power now. New mode of power. Yes. You see, Spear received a series of communications from the spirit realm having to do with motion as an inherent property of nature. He was very uh, fascinated by the idea of perpetual motion. Yeah. He yeah. started to deduce plans for a device that could illustrate perpetual motion, or as the spirits referred to it, universal activity. Because what could be keeping it in motion? Why won't it stop? Or gone. Literally along the exact same lines. Like, they're- Stick your dick in some resin. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why so, I just yelled that. <laughs> I've never tried Strange thing to say. Uh, S.C. Hewitt, circular city guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, helped develop the plans for Candon Springs. Yeah, he uh, he started to assemble this this machine that could illustrate perpetual motion according to Spears' papers and direction from the spirit world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was built over a period of nine months, like, a you know, the gestation of a human baby. Was that intentional? Mm-hmm. Mm. And one observer described the machine as being like nothing which had ever existed before on Earth <laughs> or in the waters under Earth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> This is the only, there's no pictures of the machine or anything. Really? Like okay. One of the only descriptions of it. So okay, sick. You have sick. to kind of just imagine what it. Yeah. Upon the center of an ordinary circular wood table, some three feet in diameter, were erected two metallic uprights, six or eight inches apart. Between these and reaching from one to the other, near their tops was suspended on pivots a small steel shaft, which was crossed at its center by another shaft about six inches in length on the extremities of which were suspended two steel balls enclosing magnets. Okay. The first named shaft... Oh, I think the balls are supposed to... So this thing's supposed to, as you're describing it, yeah. I want to make it known that it's supposed to sort of be designed like a human being, like to have lungs and limbs and a brain. I think okay. that, that horizontal steel shaft going across the vertical one with the two balls on it yeah. might be like the lungs, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Okay. The first named shaft was nicely fitted with sockets at its extremities so that the balls could revolve with little friction. Beneath these suspended balls between the uprights and the center of the table was arranged a very curiously constructed fixture, a sort of oval platform, formed of a peculiar combination of magnets and metals. Directly above this were suspended a number of zinc and copper plates, alternately arranged and said to correspond with the brain as an electric reservoir. These were supplied with lofty metallic conductors, or attractors, reaching upward to an elevated stratum of atmosphere. In combination with these principal parts were adjusted various metallic bars, plates, wires, magnets, insulating substances, peculiar chemical compounds, etc., 
arranged by careful direction in accordance with the relations of positive and negative, or masculine and feminine. At certain points around the circumference of the structure, and connected with the center, small steel balls and enclosing magnets were suspended. A metallic connection with the earth, both positive and negative, corresponding with the two lower limbs, right and left of the body, were also provided. Certain portions of the structure were subjected to very peculiar processes, such as immersion for a time in novel chemical preparations, exposure to heat and to electrical action, designed apparently to fit them to perform their respective functions. All the parts were adjusted with mechanical nicety and finished with tastefulness. Yeah. Sounds like some crazy shit. Yeah. That sounds like... it cost like $2,000 for all the material. And it took nine fucking months to build it. I mean, it... So it's like the, the craziest altar of all time. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, and like, they probably just look at a pile of shit. There is, someone said that they found it in an attic and there's some pictures of it. Yeah. I don't know if that's real or not. Okay. So you can look that up and see a picture of that and it might be accurate. All right. Yeah. But yeah, the machine was designed after the human body with parts analogous to the brain, limbs, heart, lungs, And uh, because of its nine-month gestation and its form being modeled after the human form, it was thought that perhaps the machine could be linked to uh, the electric life currents of the universe Uh rather than having to be powered by ordinary electricity. You see, Spear didn't quite understand calories Mm, or how we receive energy, like what keeps our bodies moving. Yeah. 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 He thought that humans were powered by the grace of God itself, an invisible, divine, life-giving substance that permeates the universe that you can make yourself receptive to by sticking large magnets to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. So he put a bunch of magnets on the machine to prepare it. And then, of course, the next step, he's got to put the magnets on to make it more receptive to, to the God flow. Got to put it in contact with a bunch of people so that they could impart their personal magnetisms to it. So that would look like uh, groups of people standing around it in a circle, like with their hands all touching it. Yeah, doing fucking Reiki on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, laying their hands on the machine did not impregnate it with the necessary life force to come alive. Time for plan B. (sighs) Come on it. (laughs) (laughs) I have to imagine it happened at one point. Yeah, on a full moon. Yeah, right? I see you here sneaking out back. Yep. (laughs) The spirit world counselors came to Spear and told him that it needed better quality magnetism. You see, these groups of people, their their magnetism, it's not strong enough. They needed Spear himself. They gave him very detailed instructions to get ready for this. Okay. He's going to encase himself... In a metal apparatus, like a metal suit covered in jewels and minerals and rocks and shit, magnets. Once inside, he's thrown into a state of trance. And a friend observing the entire thing said that they could actually see like a stream of light, like an umbilical cord between spear and the machine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just in this fucking suit of metal. Yeah, dude. Fuck it. That's oh the, my god. That's the funniest thing that they've tried yet. Um It's ins- it's insane. 
Yeah. This is this That's, is this is how you know that they believe what they're doing. Yeah, this has gone this has gone real far. Yeah. Uh, let's acknowledge that. This man has lost his fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so even though the this uh spiritual umbilical cord, the silver cord it didn't do appears. shit. Yeah, the machine's still not running. <laughs> that does not stop them from continuing their endeavor, however. Sure, sure, sure. Yep. So he consults with uh, the spirit world. Old stoned-ass Ben Franklin yes. and tell him to do something else stupid. Well, you want to know the reason <laughs> for the machine's resistance? Why, why it won't come to life? Why is that, Ben? Apparently, the minds and bodies of women are more pure than that of men. We contain a a higher degree of celestial magnetism. You see, female bodies are a more precise embodiment of the love element. Oh, God. Which is apparently the divine essence. The love element is the divine essence. If you're like, what does that mean? Don't ask me. Yeah, no. Fucking Don't fucking ask me. Love's all you need, baby. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is when a female medium from Boston comes along, and she's like, I received a message from the spirits to come here. <laughs> And apparently before she even gets to uh, where they are, where they're building this machine, yeah. which is in High Rock, uh, Lynn, Massachusetts. Oh, OK. Before she even gets there, she starts feeling. Wait, so they're not at a, the uh, they're not at the water place. No, they're not. OK. They're somewhere else now. All right. Gotcha. Work yeah. They travel around. They yeah. Travel around. That's all that money that he used to let people out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, this is this is actually. um. Before that even happened, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, this is before that happened. Oh. Yeah, this is in 1853. Yeah. It starts, the Cantone Springs thing really pops off around, like, like they purchased the land in 1853, but he doesn't really go there, and they don't begin the community until 1855, two years later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Important to thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah, so right now they're in Massachusetts. They're at this place, High Rock, which is important. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um... Yeah, before this medium from Boston arrives, she's she has a phantom pregnancy. She feels like she's pregnant. Oh, shit. When she gets there, Spear appoints her as the Mary of the new dispensation. And you know what they're going to do? Yeah. They're going to have her sit in the room with the machine and painfully act out childbirth with all of its pain and suffering and screaming. And yeah, so that, that's what they're doing now. And she said that she could sense that her actions were being absorbed by the mechanism. She, they did manage to make the two little steel balls pulsate. <laughs> the balls were pulsating. Yeah? Yeah. It pulsed the balls? Yep. This is a fucking scene, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so over a period of several weeks, the Mary of the new dispensation kept at it. She kept, you know, it's a very long and drawn out childbirth and the okay. balls kept moving. But Oh, balls are still moving. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So high rock. So this isn't all for nothing then, if the balls are still moving. <laughs> the balls are moving. That's good. Something's yeah. gotta remember Andrew Jackson Davis, he the poop yeah, yeah. seer. Yes. That guy who yeah. uh his writings helped inspire Spear to get into all this shit. <sighs> Whose writings helped John Murray Spear lose his fucking yeah. mind. He spent some time at uh at High Rock in Lynn, Massachusetts, at, at the little vantage point. There's a little cottage right on top of a hill. The reason why they chose High Rock to uh build their machine at yeah. is because Andrew Jackson Davis had spent some time there and received a vision of a spiritual Congress. So like a bunch of bureaucratic angels in the sky. In Lynn, Massachusetts, you say? Yes. All right. I've been there. Yeah. I don't know why. 
High Rock Cottage uh, sat atop a hill in the middle of the community, and at the top of it, you could see the Atlantic Ocean to the east and the city of Boston to the north. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why they chose it. Fucking beautiful, kid. I They have a tower there that I want to go to. Yeah, that'd be cool. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, machine still not running, but it was pulsing. It pulsed? The two steel balls were pulsing a little. She pulsed the balls. It was doing something. So, Hewitt... S.C. Hewitt. Yep. Circular City Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Circuit City Guy. He's <laughs> the editor for the paper New Era, and he could not hold back his excitement about these balls. He wrote that a spiritual body concerned with electric power was transmitting through Spear God's last best gift to man. The balls? Yeah, I mean, the whole machine. Yeah. Even though it hasn't really... He's like getting a little bit ahead of himself. I mean, what does right? it do? Yeah. Like, what... what Why are that? we doing this? <clears throat> Okay. All right. He writes, do you want to say this quote? We may also say that we have the birth of a new science, a new philosophy, and a new life. The time of deliverance has come at last, and henceforward the career of humanity is upward and onward. This new mode of power is to lead the way in a great speedily coming salvation. It is to be the physical savior of the race. It is the advent of the science of all sciences, the philosophy of all philosophy, and the art of all art. As a child is born, not long hence he will go alone. Then he will dispute with the doctors in the temples of science. And we'll uh, send you a flask of his piss yeah. for free. Just five ninety nine shipping and handling. Like, can you imagine if this fucking thing did come to life? <laughs> and, like, marches into, like, the hospitals to be like, I got a bone to pick. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I, I cannot stop thinking about what would have happened if it actually did anything. Yeah. The implications of that. Would, would be yeah. insane if we could will it's like the golem it's like well, yeah 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 you know except this thing doesn't have a body yeah it, it's just a fucking it can't really it can move its body but it can't like walk it's, you know it's just it, yeah but it's just like rods and right balls pulsing and it's like it's like a fucking alien what yeah. is this okay hell yeah. yeah let's do this get fucking weird with it so um Interest in the development of the machine led Andrew Jackson Davis himself back to High Rock in 1854. I gotta see this shit. Yeah, the same year that they brought the new Marion. Other spiritualist papers reported skeptically on the machine, but Davis, having some cred in the community, sent out a letter to doubters stating that he conducted his own investigation and progress was being made. <laughs> he supported the assertion that the spirit world must be responsible for having given Spear the plans because clearly he didn't know shit about mechanics. What fucking so, mechanics? Yeah. Bunch like, of plates on wires, <laughs> balls on shafts. Andrew Jackson Davis doesn't know shit about mechanics either. Yeah. So he's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, it, it. They're making progress, but also he's he's got some criticisms, too. Sure. Namely, the fact that the spirits couldn't bring the damn thing to life. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, they are just the spirits of dead humans, after all, and humans are fallible. Sure. And considering the fact that they messed up so many times, kind of impossible to expect them to figure out their mistake now. I mean, obviously, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. That's a miserable way to live your life. Yeah. Assumption. Come on. Yeah. That's what Davis thought, though. He thought... You know, how could they overstep the boundaries of human intuition and reason and make themselves known to us and make people go crazy thinking that spirits are talking to them? 
to give us this knowledge that that we we couldn't have received by studying because it's it's not worldly knowledge, but they can't figure out how to make this machine come to life. <laughs> That's what he thought. Like he's got a point. Yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit. Yeah. But well, also this is all ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Undaunted by the criticisms contained in the letter. Hewitt printed the letter to his own paper. He mm. was like, here it is. Here's all the criticisms from Andrew Jackson Davis. Yeah. So Hewitt, being the editor of New Era, decides to to print this, this letter from Andrew Jackson Davis, which both supports them and criticizes them. And he includes a response. He says, well, I guess Davis couldn't understand because his brain is shaped weird. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yep. This is this is a quote, and use this as an insult in the future if you need one. Okay. <laughs> his back brain is small, and his love inspirations correspondingly weak. Hence, he fails to see the true relation of Jesus to the human race as the representative and promoter of the great spiritual life and love functions of humanity. <laughs> his back brain is small. So yeah, Hewitt. Uh, he's pretty pretty religious. How dare you talk about my back brain that way? Yeah. He thought that. The machine was an expression of love of Christ and Christ's concern for humanity and, you know, dying for humanity. So this this machine is kind of like the second coming in a way. I'm picturing like a larger version of one of those stupid things that like people have on their desks. Yeah. Like the balls on the thing, tank, 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 or the bird that goes, drinking bird. Yeah. Yeah, It's like Look at the picture of it. Yeah. I love it. I fucking, I love that shit. I like, I, aw, dude, so many pulleys and levers and gears. Yeah. What does it do? Who knows? I want to play with it though. It's <laughs> fucking sick looking. All right. All right. Fair enough. Now. Okay. Yeah. So, I talked a lot um, of shit about this machine, but if you told me that was the mechanical Messiah, I'd believe you. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. If you get that center, center tube there, light up like blue or purple. Mm-hmm. Woo. Yeah. Have yourself a spectacle. So Davis wasn't the only other spiritualist who had some things to say about about the machine. Mm. Aidan Ballou, universalist, founder of the Hopedale community, which was another uh, little commune that meant. Yeah. Except Ballou, um, he was all about like not making them separate from the world, not like being this little community. And from here we start. Right. Everything. Right. He was very into like, no, like we have to. Go other places. Yeah, yeah. I have to integrate with the world. and Yeah. And he was not against spiritualism. But he thought that reliance on some wonderful and unparalleled event brought on by spirits to regenerate the world. He just thought that that idea is not helpful. To <laughs> yeah. He thought that that line of thinking might discourage attempts to improve the human condition through you know, ordinary mortal means like what we have available to mm. us. And that, you know, thinking like that, it it might foster the belief that nothing can be accomplished unless spirits prepare the way. I mean, obvious, obviously nothing can be accomplished unless spirits prepare the way. They're still throwing people in prison. Yeah. I paid for how many fucking people to get out of prison? Right. More in there than when I, when I started. Yeah. Fuck it. Like, Balu is like, God doesn't work like this. 
God doesn't work in a fast and speedy way. It did not make sense to Balu that this machine could just come along and make everything better just like that. He thought no great moral or social revolution is easy. It, it goes against the nature of the universe itself. Yeah. He also lamented that, you know, all this time spent devoted to bringing the machine to life could have been spent more purposefully. Yeah. Spears, not a... Not a stupid man. He's talented at what he does. He's talented yeah. at speaking. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Balu's faction of, of spiritualism is more conservative, yeah. far more conservative than Spears. It upheld this idea that spiritualism aligns with human progress, but was not the means to that end. And that only the painstaking work of living humans would achieve anything. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I kind of I kind of fuck with it. Yeah. Andrew Jackson's spiritualism is definitely a bit more moderate. Like he he believed that yeah, spiritual revelations can contain great truths. But giving them this level of authority to guide all of your actions and where you go and what you do is irresponsible. I'd use stronger words, but I agree. Yeah. Well, Hewitt's response in the new era to Aiden Balu's criticism was Less confident than his response to Davis, where he basically said, you have a weird shaped head and it makes you unable to be <laughs> as smart as me. Yeah. He, uh, he basically came back and, and retorted to Balu. Hey, now, we never said it would be easy or that humans could sit back and do nothing while angels do everything. And we never said it would be quick either. Listen, we realize it's going to take a while. But again, this is God's last best gift. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spear and Hewitt said that Aiden Balu was lacking vision because, you know, isn't it possible that God might sometimes come up with new methods to, to work out new and desirable ends? But, you know, humans don't know everything. Maybe we need to listen to the spirits to get some divine inspiration. Fucking maybe. I don't. You know, they didn't expect that human society would be transformed overnight by some miraculous process. And this machine was going to get up and like, you know, spread cashed everybody and, you know <laughs> yeah they thought that what it would do is help transmit information to people that would give us knowledge of methods of transformation that would then lead to progress it would give us the knowledge that we could use not that it would do anything for us but it would give us information that we could use ourselves what if hear me out yeah i'm listening what if there's a group of weird alien entities up there like, you know, the knocking angels that periodically just try to con someone into building a device to mind control the world? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Boys grown angel hunting. Right. <laughs> well. Fuck. <laughs> John Spear, he just keeps on writing treatises. And, uh, you know, the spiritualists around him continue to doubt his use of the spirits. And, yeah. You know, he's, he's using irresponsibly. Might need to, spirits or his boss. needs to go to Spirits Anonymous. Andrew Jackson Davis even questioned that Spear was actually talking to spirits, which... Dangerous know, game, Andrew Jackson Davis. Yeah, yeah. He said that Spear's revelations were actually coming from within him, and maybe he was misattributing the source. But it's like one of the most egregious instances of the pot calling the kettle black that I've ever seen. I mean, you know... Like... You accuse someone else of faking letters from the master. You're crossing the fucking Rubicon. Right, right. Like, <laughs> Andrew Jackson Davis, you produced volumes of philosophy 
signing off as Emanuel Swedenborg. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Fuck. So. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in response to, to that, Hewitt calls Davis a small wit. <laughs> Lumpy head. <laughs> and and Spear stays respectfully silent. Hewitt's like his little attack dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine Spear's just a crazy guy. Hewitt's the one running the, running the. Yeah. Like, do you think it hurt? Uh, John Spears' feelings to have Davis be like, I don't think he's even talking to spirits. Um, like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he cared what other people think about him, but right, like, but maybe like, because he did look up to. I don't know. He probably was like, oh, he does. He doesn't get it yet. Yeah, yeah. I under I understand why he'd say that, but this Mm -hmm. is God's last best perfect gift, right? (laughs) Now another criticism, and this this point of view is interesting. Dr. J.H. Robinson, hmm. he likened John Spear to a slave. Interesting. Saying that subjecting oneself totally to the will of the spirits is to subject oneself to a form of slavery. Because how could a man be called wise if he abandons himself blindly to the guidance of beings he has no means of truly knowing? That's what I'm saying, dog. Like, it's almost like a, a weird obsessive compulsive thing where John Spear cannot make decisions for himself without the spirits guiding him. Yeah. I mean, it's also, so he's almost like he's in a way he's, he's enslaved to his own mind matrix, but it's also like is it a bad, is it a terribly bad thing? I mean, I don't he's know. Like for a good cause, you know, I, I get what Robinson's saying. I do too. And I agree with it. I think, yeah. but also this, I just got reminded very, very hard of a, like, this reminds me a lot of the John D and Edward Kelly story. Yeah. Just in the, just in that, like this group of beings just getting these two dudes to just do wacky fucking shit all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I, I feel bad for John Murray Spiro, I think. Right. Yeah. I also, I think um, Robinson has another critique of Spear, which is that his writings were too long and too ridiculous. <laughs> Robinson's like, he says, a well-written, simple page of writing from the mundane world contains far more value than a volume of folly from the spirits. Which is very true. Yeah. And and he also believed that the act of revolutionizing the world was going to be done by the humans living in it. Yeah. He said, let the machine stand at High Rock as a lasting evidence of human credulity. (laughs) Yeah. Magic is real. Because like... He did think, it. Think about, he I mean, really, it. what would Spear have been able to, I mean, he accomplished a lot in his lifetime and he did a lot of good things. Yes. But how much more could he have done if if he relied on his his friends more? He didn't burn himself out. And he didn't burn himself out. Yeah. I really think that's that's what's going on here. Yeah. You got fucking burnt out. You know, it's interesting. Throughout all of these criticisms, not one ever accuses him of being fraudulent. Or that he's faking it. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. This is a scam. There's, yeah. Yeah, like even. Um, that doesn't even, come up as Even a Davis says he's misattributing his own. Right. No one accuses him of being a liar. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Because, I mean, there's really, there's not any indication that Spear or Hewitt ever thought of using the machine for personal gain. They, they were just like fucking mad scientists just like trying to bring this thing to life. Hewitt neither? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And, you know, it's a good thing that they didn't plan on that because the plan would have been failing miserably. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yep. Throughout 
1854, still no signs of life, still lots of ridicule. Yep. Occasionally, they received some letters of support, which Hewitt would promptly publish in the new era. You know, just delighted because yeah. getting fan mail. One letter I saw, this reader said, do you, do you want to? Sure, sure. I had a vision of a bunch of people standing around laughing at the machine, but then the machine broke off into thousands of identical machines and destroyed great cathedrals while the people wept. <laughs> then the figure of Christ reappeared over the horizon and was like, the philosopher's stone has been discovered. All earth shall have a portion. Yeah. So. Wow. Ref- like the idea that this machine is the philosopher's stone has also been put out there. Yeah. All earth shall have a portion. Yeah. <laughs> well, becoming more and more of a laughingstock with every month passing. <sighs> the team disassembled the machine at High Rock and transported it to Randolph, New York. The idea is that the atmosphere there would be more conducive to bringing the machine to life. Why Randolph? I don't know. But Spears' buddy Thaddeus Sheldon lived there, and the move would accomplish two things. First, escaping all the negative attention. Mm. Which, you know, that can't be good for bringing this thing to... The vibes are too bad, man. Mm. Number two, they'd be closer to Thaddeus and his financial resources. Yeah. But according to John Spear, a mob of local Randolph residents under the cover of night destroyed the machine. They tore out the heart, no. trampled it beneath their feet, and scattered it to the four winds. He concluded the world was not ready for it. And the world always treats its benefactors badly if it can even recognize them. He felt that surely someday when the world was ready, someone else would receive the plans again. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So, so, uh, so that's why we don't know if the picture of that machine is, is real or not. Yeah, because yeah. supposedly it was torn apart. Okay. But then apparently someone found it in an attic of this like crazy lady's old mansion. Uh, wow. I think, I think John just didn't want to... Yeah. Didn't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> it's very possible. So yeah, the machine, uh, that didn't work out. But he, he doesn't give up thinking about these things, you know? No. He, he continues to talk about scientific treatises on electricity and, you know, they can give him the information and... He's still talking to the Benz. Yeah. yeah. He also, he loves to give lectures on things that he knows nothing about. Like he would go to geology conferences and like give, you know. Yep. He does love attention. Right. So now we can uh, talk more about Kianto and get, get back to our circle city. Man, wait a minute. <laughs> that's, his, that's his tragic flaw. Yeah. He loves attention. He loves being in the spotlight. That's why he fucking... But he can't admit that to himself, so right. he has to be overtaken by the spirits. Right, right. But that's why he wouldn't start the organization with his friend. That's why he had to do it all personally, paying for mm-hmm. people to get out of... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's fine to like the spotlight, man. Just accept it. But I'm like, like I want to drive you fucking crazy. Jesus. So now you're a geologist, huh? Yeah. Okay. Christ. Or maybe... <sighs> I don't know. I was going to say maybe it comes from a, a mistrust in other people. I don't know. No, he, lo- he loves attention. Yeah. Yeah. He, he Or at least, okay, a better way to say it is he gravitates towards the spotlight. Maybe. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's always like, st- he was always standing up at like, means he had to be the rebel preacher. True. You know what I mean? It, True. There's, yeah. there's a pattern here. Yeah. And you have to be if you want to change the world. I mean, it's true. Yeah. That is absolutely. And that's why there's nothing like wrong. Like. Right. There's. Someone has to be in the spotlight, right? A lot of people don't want to be. 
Yeah. I can't talk to people live, really. (laughs) (laughs) I just run that fucking mouth. Yeah, I'm always worried that I'm talking too much, which is why it's great we have a podcast. I know. Because there's no such thing. Right, I can just hit delete. It's kind of what we're here for. (laughs) Back to Kanto. Yes. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Fuck it, sure. Fuck it. Yeah. Their city of universal harmony began modestly with 10 oval and octagonal houses, approximately 10 by 14 feet. Hmm. I included a, a picture in the document for yes. you to look at there. See. It's what it sounds like. It's like a little oval house. Yeah. Wood. Oval homes. Yeah. There was one larger house known as the castle. Hmm. I can't imagine it was terribly big. But later, a, a 35-room hotel known locally as Brittingham's Folly was built. <laughs> that's a funny town. Ta- like, yeah. That's the locals' name for yeah. it. Yeah. Shows how, how they felt about this shit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, most members preferred to uh, spend winter at their own homes. So they have members now. Yeah. Oh boy. You know people people that come and stay. At the yeah. Place. Yeah. But um. Yeah. In the summertime, the inhabitants of the spiritualist springs would pick strawberries and blackberries and raspberries and upset the locals. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hippies and their goddamn berries. Yeah. By 1858. Many of the nosy townsfolk were quite unfavorable to the Canton domain for two reasons. Mm-hmm. The first being that it was home to the National Spiritualist Convention with thousands of attendees. Oh, God. You know, that's a, oh, holy a funky crowd. Oh, God, that's the worst. Yeah. Uh, one local paper sent an undercover guy there who wrote about how the president, Miss Carrie Popcorn Lewis of... Carrie Popcorn Lewis. Yes, of Cleveland... Carrot Popcorn Lewis, the real life Cleveland steamer. Yes. <laughs> Speaking to you live. He said that she was ranting mysticism and extravagance. Such verbiage and nonsense has not been my lot to hear since the Babel period. How long have you been alive, sir? Yeah, and then she pooped on someone's chest. It was fucked up. Yes. Uh, he was... <laughs> He was utterly outraged at their discussion of gender equality and the fact that a, a woman was giving discourses on these things. Very scandalous. Very scandalous. Back in my day, man pooped on a woman's chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're on fire. <laughs> the second reason for community disapproval was John Spears' affair with his scribe. Oh. Caroline Hinckley, who became miraculously pregnant in 1858. That's at least what they told everybody. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The Spiritual Telegraph of Boston, which never missed an opportunity to question Spear or the the Canton community. Like, they were they were like the um, People magazine of the spiritualists. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, they had their their finger on, on all the hot gossip. Yeah. So, they they were publishing stuff about his, you know, I, I, she's getting pregnant and they're questioning. Did, did, uh, oh, really? Oh, oh, she, really? You think we're going to fall for that? You think everybody believes miraculous birth? Come on now. You think we take the Bible literally? Nobody does that anymore. Stupid. I really hope they didn't miss the opportunity to use the headline. Spears balls pulse once more. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Spear, and he has a whole ass family. He has a wife and kids. Yeah, that's right. But he's kind of, he's like leaving them behind in Boston or wherever they are, you know, (laughs) to go do his his things. Yeah. Go live in a one bedroom house in Canton every summer. So it's it's not hard to believe he was getting some hanky panky. Or (laughs) should I say, 
Hinkley Pinkley. A little Hinkley Pinkley. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So the Telegraph is like the spiritual Telegraph, the the People magazine of the spiritualist world yeah. lambast Spear for getting this woman pregnant and, and denying it all while he's married. Mm. And as, as far as I know, he continues denying paternity of the child, but he does end up divorcing his wife and making Caroline Hinckley an honest woman five years later, which is mm. must be awkward for his relationship with the kid. It's like, hey, you're allowed to call me dad now. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, I don't know how this all yeah. went down. I, I'm like, there's a lot to read between the lines, but like, who knows? Maybe his wife didn't care. I don't fucking know. You know, it was, you couldn't know a lot back then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if your spouse is just gone for the summer, it's like, well, what I don't know doesn't hurt me. Maybe I don't know. You just don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, probably wasn't nearly it probably wasn't as much a cause for paranoia back then because just yeah. you, you weren't able to be paranoid about it you know? right you got other stuff going on so in 1859 a year after he fathered the illegitimate child allegedly allegedly <laughs> who knows what if that is the child of god we'll never know i mean we fucked up if so child of god no child of god never came from no hang we're all children of god the inhabitants of canton springs uh this year, 1859, they don't depart for the autumn and, and winter months like they typically did. All the locals like they're staying all uh, they're, fucking year? Yeah, they're staying. They're oh, staying. God. Why? Why? Because Spear had received a new series of communications from the Association of Governmentizers. Fucking governmentizers? Yeah, and they had a special mission for the group. Get this. All right. They wanted the group to form an organization of their elite members called the Sacred Order of Unionists that could bring union to the world in the form of a planetary congress or a federation. Fuck. A galactic federation, one might say. Fuck. I didn't realize it, it went It went back here. I didn't even mean for this to happen. I we never do. I didn't fucking mean for this to happen. Why is the Galactic Federation showing up in the John Murray Spear episode? I mean, it's it's they don't say Galactic Federation. They don't, but they say Planetary Congress or Federation, and you can see where the the leap is made. Yeah, no, I yeah, 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 and and this group of the uh of of seven, there's seven different groups. Of se- yep. Yeah, and they each have a representative of the seven groups. Yep. And they're yep. telling him about, you got to form a sacred order and form a, yeah. Sacred order? Sacred order of unionists. Fuck. Yeah. This and is of course, before theosophy too. Right? Yeah, it is. Oh God. <laughs> I don't like it. Also, by the way, America's slipping closer and closer to the civil war. Oh no, it's real soon. Yeah. Shit's about to go down. And the sacred order believed that lasting peace was only possible through this idea of a, a world or planetary federation. In other words, Which, the new world order. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's kind of like yeah. UN. It's. I mean, it's. You could say it's the NWO. It's a we are wor- yeah. one world government. Yeah. Which we desperately need, by the yeah. way. Fuck. God, I'm so pissed. <laughs> On December second, eighteen fifty nine, the Sacred Order, the elite members of the the Canton Domain, Harmonia, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. They left on a steamboat named Cleopatra. Fucking great. Towards a cosmic voyage. Sick. 
They departed from Oil Creek, Pennsylvania, and five months later ended the voyage in New Orleans. Along the way, they stopped and visited a number of places. They studied the iron industry in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Tried to take some fugitive slaves on board. Okay. That's cool. Good. They yeah. sought out places where good soil was to see where good soil is. Yeah. <laughs> and they also stopped off in Patriot, Indiana, where an offshoot of the Canton domain was established. There's a town called Patriot, Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, of course it fucking is. <laughs> Originally, their plan had been to sail all the way to Cuba and the West Indies, but for whatever reason, that never panned out. I don't know if it was a problem with the ship or finances or... Is a fucking riverboat? Yeah, it's just a fucking steamboat. You're not taking that thing in the open ocean. No. Also, the money that they had received from uh, Thaddeus Sheldon and Dr. Abel Underhill, it, mm-hmm. it was almost all spent by now. Ah. Yeah. So uh, back on shore, the Sacred Order, which, by the way, this reminds me of like the Sea Org or something. It's the same. Yes, it's the same fucking thing as every other goddamn story. But it's this like, time. It's also um, Biosphere. Like we're going to bu- we're going to no, get a boat and travel dude, around. It's, it's just the it's same It's hitting all the beats story. of so many things that we've done before. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different guy in a different time period and with different names for things. I'm starting to see what happened to Philip K. Dick. Yeah. The whole same year over and over again. Right. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So they're going to need a new way to finance their missionary work. Of course. You always do. Sewing machines. Oh, fuck. Which I guess like this kind of makes sense because, you know, growing up doing factory work, the like, I don't know, sewing machines, that's kind of cool. But also because uh, several members of the Sacred Order were involved with a variety of sewing machine companies. Yeah, yeah. John Orvis. Oh. He served as Omniarch of the Sacred Order. Yes. Fuck me. He was the eponymous Orvis and the two sewing machine companies, Williamson Orvis and Orvis Boyd and Company. Yeah, no, I've seen that name on a sewing machine or two. Really? Yeah. Cool. I think so. Well, the, the Enterprise was unable to save the order. Oh, no. Just two years later, the... Order was dissolved along with Cantone Springs and its sister community in Patriot, Indiana. There had been inner dissension, financial difficulties, failure to attract followers, and just a general disenchantment because of the state of America itself and all of the division happening. The party was over. Yeah. Party's over. Yeah. Civil War around the corner. Cantone Springs gone. John Spear, Thaddeus Sheldon, John Orvis, some others. They're like... (laughs) Let's go to Europe, boys. <laughs> Take the easy way out. See ya. Fucking the show goes on. Yeah. Oh, God. This would have been the perfect time to do some philanthropic work, Mr. Spear. Any of this would have been. Like, this would have been a good time to stay in America and put your... It's, it's just so crazy that now America is going to fight a fucking civil war about slavery. Yeah. His issue. His thing. She's just partying on a fucking boat. Yeah. Being led what by the, the spirit. Hanging out with mediums. Okay. Yeah. So Spear establishes himself in London as a healer and character analyst and fortune teller. And he and Miss uh, Hinkley Pinkley, they meet a lot of fancy, important people. They spend 10 years there. They're meeting all sorts of like mediums. Like I read about uh, these brothers. I think they're called the Davenport Brothers, who were exposed as frauds many times. They're hanging out with a, with a bunch of people. Spent 10 years there. 
They go back to America right after this little book about Spears' life as a medium is published. Hmm. And this is when he mostly gives up his spiritualist communications and kind of passes the torch over to his colleague, uh, Mrs. Manley. Yeah, she's shed on a chest or two, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. In later years, 1907, the very last house standing in Cantone was torn down by locals for firewood. There was an eccentric woman that that would stay in it, but that was the last year she could. (laughs) The cottage in High Rock no longer remains, but a tower was constructed there that can be visited today. You know, I like to think about what what do you think John Spear and company would would have been up to today if they were alive now? Like who would be their counterparts? I mean, they're still making free energy devices. Yeah, they're still. I don't know. I mean, dude. I mean, there's his story has just repeated again and again in different people. And here's the thing. Further proof. New age bullshit doesn't help anyone. In fact, usually the opposite. Yeah. Seemed like it really kind of like new age was, bullshit makes people lose their his fucking mind cause, but it seemed like he really dropped the ball and actually accomplishing anything after he got into this whole machine building thing. Yeah. 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 No, it's yeah. Like he lost, he, he lost the, f- the forest through the trees or whatever that saying is. He got got. Yeah. Like, you you know what I mean? Like that, it's kind of a phrase I haven't brought up. The fascination got him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He He couldn't stop talking to himself. He got got by Saint Germain, you know, in our fucking parlance. Like he he, and meanwhile seven rays. Meanwhile, fucking It was just Saint Germain pretending to be Ben Franklin. I mean, yeah, of course. It always is. It always is. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, I don't wait a minute. I don't know if they're no, no, because St. Germain didn't reincarnate again. He's just immortal. But he was there at the signing of the Declaration. I'm not bringing him up. Why am I even bringing him up? He has nothing to do with this. Fuck that. No, but like, meanwhile. I'm pretty sure, like, people have said that St. Germain is Francis Bacon, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, Francis Bacon is definitely one of the people that talked to John Murphy. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So we we could. Um, yeah, no, nah, there's no need to stretch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just so fucking crazy that, like. Meanwhile, history's happening. Yeah. That he could have been guiding, that he could have been helping with. He and should he have been, been good at it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's like a, a common, because I don't, like, we're not the only people who have noticed this story repeating over and over again. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, like the Oneida community, like they ended up making silverware. Right. These people ended up trying to sell sewing machines. Oh, I mean the, um, the talking to angels that got oh, you yeah. through all sorts of ridiculous bullshit. That's never actually the, um, the goal they told you you were going to do. Right. Like that's the kind of shit that, that, you know, when I suspend disbelief and I go, well, maybe there are, you know, angels or something guiding humanity, but like. They're manipulating it. It's like yeah. they don't want him to be doing that. They want to send this motherfucker off on some wild goose chase. Right. You want they want him over there, right? So that this other story can play out or whatever. But like, yeah, dude, time and time again, discarded entities stop talking, start talking to you. Don't listen to them. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. That's a it's fairly good rule of thumb. Like I don't know of any time that that actually helped. Yeah. So like, <sighs> you know. Obviously, the new motor experiments, I mean, you could say that they failed to produce meaningful results, but it what happened is meaningful in that it it reflects a pattern in history. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I mean, I think the dude just got burned out and he tried to. Yeah, something happened. He just couldn't continue working in the world 
anymore right. and try and like redirected all of this, all this energy that he still has into, yeah. you know, an act of, act of magic or something, but like without clear purpose or, I mean, also another way you could in- interpret it is dude got disillusioned with philanthropy and dropped out to become an artist. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's another way to interpret it. Um, fuck. I think he was also delusionally faithful. Yeah. Like deeply religious to an obsessive degree. Yeah. He couldn't like, he couldn't deny those, uh, voices guiding him because he understood them to be like, you know, it's fucking Ben Franklin. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so three of cups, it's like these three feminine figures. They're having a grand old time lifting their cups. They're standing in a circle. They're uh, dancing. It's like a celebration. It's a party, but I pulled it in reverse too. Mm. So it's like the party has to come to an end. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I'm just thinking about dudes with glasses of booze on boats, you know? Yeah. Hey, Although they were into temperance, so oh, probably that's not fucking drinking. right. Oh, they're drinking mocktails like pieces of shit. Yeah, they're drinking miracle water. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, no, it's I also see the influence of friends in the Three of Cups. There's a very much so. Um, these these people are are friends. Right. Like like there is a uh, there, there's a group dynamic that happens and three is a great number for it. Mm-hmm. Although by no means the only number you get on a trip. Yeah. You just, you just fucking go for it and it gets real ridiculous, but you're, you know, you're bouncing off of each other. You're a, you're a self-contained personality unit. Right. And you should do some wacky shit. And yeah. Like, well, there was a lot of people that, um, under the criticisms influence. of him, there was also a lot of supporters of John Spear and a lot of influential people in his inner circle and a lot of important people in his, in his inner circle. Yeah. So he's sort of like, that also helps to, to fuel what he's doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's bouncing off the people around him and it's, he's such an inspiring figure that they're bouncing off of him too. And they all feel like they're accomplishing something important and great. They believe in what they're doing at the moment. Right. Yeah. Even though what they're kind of doing is distracting themselves with a wild goose chase yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very human fit. They're, they're, uh, it's, a, it's escapism in a way. Um, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, what getting hammered is too. Yep. Right. Like getting hammered with your friends doing something stupid is, uh, and getting hammered on God. Yeah. High on Jesus, baby. High on Ben Franklin, baby. Yeah. High on Rush. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's the story of John Murray Spear and the new motor. I mean, and here's the other thing. Sounds like you had fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I lived a good life. Yeah, when did he die? 1886, I believe. Okay. Born in 1804, I think. Did okay. Long life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like, like he never really did anything wrong. No, in my opinion. Like, no, he didn't you do anything harmful. You can't fault someone for not continuing to devote their entire fucking life to paying for people getting out of prison. Right. You like, I can't fault the dude for that. Yeah. He's free to devote himself to some wacky shit. Indeed. There's nothing wrong with that. He's not a cult leader. people like that. Fuck yeah. He's not a cult leader. He's not a fucking grifter. Right. Like, I don't think he was selling anything. No. It's just a fucking crazy dude. I like the fact that... And he probably did enough good in his earlier life that, like, you should still think of him as a fucking hero of these causes. I do. Right? 
the the fact that he even tried to like follow this crazy prophetic vision is um like it's crazy, but I also respect it. Yeah. I I, I, I wouldn't that go so far to say a I respect it. Yeah, I wish I mean, I, I don't wish anything. I, I sort of, I, I, I do see it as him getting got by the fucking, by the woo. Yeah. By the bad woo. Totally. Right? Yeah. I think the good woo would lead you to do more actual good, like um, uh, Aiden Balu. Right. Yeah. I think also he had seen a lot of terrible shit. Yes. Yes. He, so he, and, he stayed in the presence himself. Right. He, he burned the fuck out of himself. And I think he was tired of terrible shit. So he just totally absorbed himself in this like love and light yes. mentality because he yes. just he didn't want to go back there. He knew it existed and hated it and wants it to be gone, but couldn't bear going back there. So instead, love and light, peace and harmony. Yeah. We're gonna uplift the universe. I'm gonna save it all. Sort of a another way in which the like the metaphor of uh you know, the magician failing to cross the abyss yeah. and Koran's on eating the soul. Right. Yeah. The fucking love and light shit is, is, is the fucking maw of Koran's on. <laughs> oh, you failed. Got right. Scared. Like he never had that moment. Like John, uh, what's the name of the Oneida community, man? John Humphrey knows. Yes. Yeah. He never had a John Humphrey knows moment where like he was, penniless going absolutely crazy manic on the streets of a city and yeah. had to be rescued by someone like he seemed to he he was in poverty for a lot a lot of his life yeah but he also got along and always had friends of means like he never had that completely um You're right like bottom of of the of the whole moment like by himself struggling yeah, yeah, it's almost it's almost like he it, like he was desperate for the hero story to happen. Yeah, he was the one that wanted to pull people out of the hole. Yeah, and when it became clear that the first way wasn't working, then he went to being an abolitionist. Yeah. And then when that wasn't working, then he went to the new motive power. Yeah. Yeah. And then I he mean, just became a fucking fortune teller in London, which is hilarious. Yeah. That's really funny. Yep. <laughs> So, all in all, a human. Yeah. Yeah. Another human being. Just, <laughs> just like another you fucking and me. human being, man. With yeah. a colorful history. Yeah. A very dude. interesting life that he lived. Absolutely. And there's so much more of it that we didn't even talk about. Yeah. Beyond this. I mean, yeah, I'd never heard the story before. Knew nothing about it. Yeah. Wild. That time, the 1800s. Wow. I love going back there yeah. from time to time. It's real crazy. Mm-hmm. Brightly colored, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. And also very dark. Yes. Extremely dark. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that yeah. does her. I think so. Yeah. If you like what we do, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Nonsense Bazaar where you can get access to our exclusive bonus series. The Corkboard Bazaar. Yes. Where we just we talk a lot of bullshit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things that aren't like podcasts ready to talk about our research and other tidbits. Some more uncensored stuff. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, you can, you can get that for only $5 a month. Patreon.com slash The Nonsense Bazaar. And yeah, tell your friends, tell your priests, tell your mechanics, and your fortune tellers. Yes. Take care. Bye.